0: Okay, I'm going to tell y'all, I just woke up, so I'm going to try to make this sound good. Hold on. Good morning
1: from the Ozarks, Missouri. This is Emily, and you're listening to Fly on the Wall
0: podcast. Uh, Stand by for dead air.
1: bit of beatboxing there for you guys. I'm just waiting on, uh, big walls to give us a call. Um, he said 8.30, I make it 8.32. We're doing the old lockdown phone call podcast again because, uh, yeah, some Muppets came down from Sydney. I think they were, uh, Furniture removalists, they were helping a family move from Sydney to Melbourne and they were riddled with with COVID and uh, decided not to wear a mask and spread it around like some dirty, filthy STI. So uh, yeah, we're back in lockdown. Um, Numbers are going up. I think we had uh, as of the 19th of July, which is today. We had uh, another 15 cases, I think it was, um, so I think we're about over 50 cases now. Big Woz is there, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, mate, just uh, putting you on loudspeaker. Hello, there he is.
0: Hello! <laughs>
1: How are you, big sexy bitch? Uh. <laughs>
0: I'm good, mate. I'm fucking big and I'm sexy.
1: <laughs> just the way How I like you. Ya. Just the way yeah, I like you. Right, yeah, hey? that's
0: mate. How are you? You oily, fucking hairy sex god? Um, yeah,
1: I'm oily and I'm sex godding it up.
0: Excellent, mate. Between yeah. the two of us, there's some real trouble out there on the streets tonight.
1: <laughs> that's right. Um, if we were
0: allowed on the streets
1: tonight. Well, yeah, I just finished telling the good folks at home what's going on uh, with our with our snap Lockdown, thanks to the uh, removalists from Sydney. Um, yeah, that's it. Bless their cotton socks, eh?
0: <laughs> Basically, um, Luke's taken out an AVO against me. Yeah. Um, and I'm not allowed within fifteen kilometres of
1: him <laughs> Well, it's those busy hands you've got, you know, just yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. my
0: busy hands this time. Yeah,
1: they're like it. they're like horrible, bald, pale rodents crawling all over my body. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we used to say that was your fantasy, so I tried to kind of, you know, well, service that fantasy for you. But then it, it turned on me.
1: Yeah, usually I don't mind it, but um, I've gone a, I've gone a little shy in recent days. Uh, Have you, buddy? Have you, yeah. little guy? Yes, yeah, so and my yeah. new approach to life: try to be a bit more uh, introvert, shy, awkward, and a little bit, a little bit sort of, um, uh, what do you call it? Where you ejaculate too soon? Premature ejaculator. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's my new approach. Right. My new approach to life.
0: Your new approach, and how's yeah. that been working out for you?
1: Uh, well, I've I've orgasmed a lot more. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think great. I think we're up to six today. Um, <laughs> so that's not bad. That's not bad. So yeah, that's no. So far, so good. Yeah. What about you? How's Excellent. your How's your last week been?
0: Uh, my last week on earth, it's been good, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah. before, they, before they ship me off, um, I've been making the most of, of the, uh, you know, the immediate world around me, um, just enjoying a bit of food, um, enjoying <laughs> oxygen, because um, that's, that's here, obviously. We don't know out there where mm-hmm. else it is. Um, just enjoying being able to, to just walk around, uh, obviously aside from the mask, uh, in relative freedom.
1: Yeah, and the handcuffs that you choose to wear. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, you know, I choose to wear them. Like sometimes it's in front, sometimes it's at the back, sometimes I have, <laughs> you know, a small orangutan with me and I, I have a one of the cuffs around them. But, oh,
1: sexy. Um, I like it when you do the, the uh, hog tie. Sort of look Oh yeah Yeah, when yeah But got, I took it
0: literally I have a hog with me as well Yeah
1: tied to you Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's very and sexy And I'm in the hog tied position
0: <laughs> <laughs> It all gets a bit crazy That's for sure
1: <laughs> So So your master Whoever Whoever he is Yeah um, He's uh, often confused Like so hang on Who is the pig <laughs> What's here? Going? Is it, going on? Yeah Is it yeah. the Hairier one With the tusks <laughs> Or the one with the giant head And the cheeky green <laughs> and the apple in his mouth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I request is that it's a toffee apple. Oh, yeah, you know, delicious. I'm not big on fruit, so if you're gonna if you're gonna stick something in there, oh, make true. sure it's covered in toffee.
1: That's true. Uh, what are we talking about tonight, Big Villers? The villain. same
0: thing applies to his penis. <laughs> <Just Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a bit of a convoluted one tonight because uh, I think we we said both uh, strange uh, creature encounters, yeah. but also alien encounters. Now, we've, I think we've probably touched on both a little bit uh, in the past, but not for a long time.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and I don't think we've really covered encounters like, you know... Stories of exactly. where they've actually met up and done some dogging or something, you know. Yeah,
0: so this is basically a, um, like a dating uh, episode for <laughs> creatures not of this world. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So if, if you you know, if you've got it in your mind to meet a Martian for uh, discreet encounters on on Fridays and Saturdays, this could be the episode for you.
1: So you've got you've got Tinder out there. You've got Grinder. This one's called Abductor. It's an app you can yeah. get on your phone where aliens will just zoom in, zone in, and zoom in yeah. on your location, rip you out of wherever you are, and just anally, anally fucking probe you, until, you oh, until you're blue in the face and dripping with blood.
0: Right. Many people's <laughs> idea of a perfect night in. Oh, it's a good
1: time. It's a good time. Yeah. Before, we, uh, before we get stuck into aliens and uh, monsters and cre- creatures and stuff, uh, I've got That's a couple you know. of, uh, as you know, my wife works for... Ambulance. Um, <laughs> and I've got a couple of stories for you, big waz. Um, okay, one I've been meaning to tell you for a while because she told me a couple of months ago now. Um, she took a call from a guy um, whose name, right, was yeah. his first name was Man. And you go, okay, well, he could be ethnic, could be foreign, you know, maybe Man is spelled M A H N, but no, no, it's right. just Man. Okay. And his surname is, all one word, living in a body. So his full name is man, man Living in a Body. Man Living in a Body. That was his name. He actually changed his name to Man Living in a Body. <laughs> And now that's that's all I know and That's all she knew That's
0: very strange isn't it
1: Yeah very very strange I don't know Uh, Yeah maybe he was abducted by aliens at one point It
0: sounds It does sound like he might be of the The kind of people that would enjoy A good alien encounter
1: I'd be up for it Yeah for sure Yeah
0: Yeah. So I was thinking Oh maybe his name's Manfred You know I was thinking about all the sensible ways That you might go with A a first part of your name as man But no no, it was a man living
1: in a body. So I've changed. Hey. I've changed my name to <laughs> Luke's penis in Warren's anus.
0: <laughs> At least it rolls off the tongue. Um, it does just yeah. as nicely. In, it does. in both ways.
1: And then just tonight she came home with another story. Um, this oh, one. Geez. Now this one. Uh, well, the last one could be mental health as well. Who knows? But this one. <laughs> Sort of says to me that, you know, something might be going on with this kid because it's not normal behaviour. Well, I hope not. It wasn't in my family, that's for sure. I don't don't think it would be the uh, behaviour in your family either. But who knows? You might surprise me. Who knows? But anyway. Okay. She came home with the story that uh, she took a call um, uh, from a very concerned father whose 16-year-old son had decided to sit on the couch... And just openly masturbate in front of him Oh jeez Yeah And just didn't he stop He
0: rang He rang Ambulance.
1: The dad, yeah, rang the ambulance. Yeah, but why did cause he, he was... ring
0: ambulance? Because he thought that it was maybe some sort of what
1: attack. Or Whoa, something? he said he he said it, it's not like him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, he well, doesn't. Well, that's
0: comforting. I mean, that's a good start,
1: isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't usually do this type of thing. He doesn't normally do that. So yeah. he was wondering if he was having some kind of mental breakdown or something. Oh my because god! Just to get his old fella out and start stroking it like there's no tomorrow in front of his dad. Oh is uh was concerning. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: to say the least. Yeah. I feel sorry for I feel sorry for the dad actually.
1: Yeah, we obviously obviously, you know, imagine. Imagine for a second yeah. if that happened to us. Exactly. Be like, "What is going on?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> he just looks at, the son just looks at him. "What?" Yeah. <laughs> There's like a fucking I've yeah. <laughs> not like finished that? yet dad. Why, just why hold I'm on. You like that. Hold on. I'll let you
1: know when I'm going to come. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh, uh just yeah. looks
0: at him he just goes problem? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah. You're
1: free to leave, father
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh the poor guy.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how disturbed the dad well obviously he was very disturbed, but I don't know if he was like, Oh my god, my son, or if it was just like, uh my son Dennis is masturbating furiously in front of me on the couch. I am somewhat perturbed by this
0: (laughs) I'd like a list Of recommendations For actions From this
1: point Well, Meanwhile meanwhile In the background You just (laughs) (laughs)
0: Earmuffs sir Earmuffs Go get them Immediately
1: Yeah Yeah, Or Uh, just Just close the door Yep
0: Is obviously This was a call That you're beloved your wife took yes okay so without obviously having to go into too much detail what advice did she give i'm curious to know
1: i don't know i think i was in too much uh, laughter fits of laughter to really zone in on what she'd said to me after that Right. yeah because
0: that's the big part of the question i mean <laughs> okay this is happening Thankfully, you're not there to see it, but someone has called you, informed you of what was going on, and is asking you for your advice. Yeah. What, what would you say to a father who's called up with his 16-year-old son masturbating in the room next to
1: him? I'd just say. What would just, you say, Luke? I'd say close the door and quietly walk away. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, sound advice. Yeah. I like that. And never like that. never talk about it again with your never son. Never think of it again. <laughs> yeah. And pray pray that it never happens again in front of you. Yeah, oh, that's it. Yeah. Now, look, I mean, I've masturbated in front of a, uh, you know, in front of a vicarage before, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <that's>
0: right. <laughs> but I don't think they've been known as vicarages since the late 1800s. <laughs> well, but, that's know. that's
1: what I did, but yeah, um, it, you know, it was only the once, and I didn't actually complete, if you know what I mean. Because, right. Okay, right. Yeah, just all those crucifixes up in the air just didn't, you know, didn't put do you it for off? me. Yeah, put me off so my it game. Yeah. throw
0: you off your game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's a relief then. So
1: now. Who are we, Big Was?
0: <laughs> we, we are the Fly on the Wall podcast, and you are just Luke.
1: <laughs> Correct, yep.
0: And I am Big Woz. And, and... we're here to, uh, to keep the company this evening on episode 118.
1: Yeah, that's it. We'll be back uh, soon with getting stuck into monsters and alien encounters. Hey, Cenobite Queen from Instagram. Uh, just to let you know that during this difficult quarantine period, the only thing that's getting me through the day are the guys from the Fly on the Wall podcast. So next time you're in between your fifth bowl of cereal and your eighth wank of the morning, give these guys a listen. It's got everything you need to get you through the day. Yeah, so uh we are back here in the I world Podcast and we're about to get stuck into monsters and alien Encounters, do You wanna shoot your lucky beans first, big waz?
0: Yes, I shall, mate. I shall. Now I've uh Oh, here we go. This is this is an interesting one. So I've started with uh bizarre creatures. Cool who are of the earth, perhaps. Ah, okay. This is called the Icelandic verm. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: didn't know if I should speak or you should speak then, but uh, did you say verm as in worm? Yeah, worm. <laughs> ah, okay, okay, that sounds intriguing.
0: So, Lake Lagerflot near Egilsstaðir in eastern Iceland is home to Murin a legendary sea serpent or worm monster. Cool that has been the subject of folktales since the 14th century. In 2012, a YouTube video of a mysterious shape moving in a strange manner beneath the ice became an internet sensation, with many believing that it was definitive proof of the ancient creature. Finnish researcher Misa McGowan disagreed, analysing the video and using screen captures to prove that the apparently moving body was actually stationary in the water and was probably nothing more than an icy fishing net or a piece of cloth. But seven out of thirteen local government representatives, uh, who sort of created a like a committee to um, try and ascertain if it was uh, true or false, yeah. V- That it was real And And so the maker of the video Or you know the the Capturer of the video Was entitled to $4,000 payout Offered to prove that it was real So uh, they obviously put Quite a lot of stock in uh, The chance That it's a a reality Yeah wow Yeah so a a mythological Slash real Icelandic creature
1: I actually, my theory on that is that it it was Bjork, because I haven't seen her for years. Actually, I don't know what's ever happened to her, but there we go. She's uh, under the water somewhere. She's
0: an Icelandic worm.
1: She's drowned, just like her career has.
0: Wow. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I did watch the video.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. What, were you, what did you surmise?
0: To me, it, it's look. If it's uh, if it's not real yeah i can see why it would have caused the interest that it did because it moves like a serpent okay but yeah like, it's not like a piece of cloth it, uh, to me it doesn't look it has a, a weird irregular kind of um back section the head did look like a serpent's head wow. just beneath the surface
1: i oh, left to send me you'd have to send me the link because i'm curious
0: yeah, it was to me I was like okay it's weird like it does look a bit strange the rest of the body was a bit you know plasticky or something but yeah, the right. head the head was very convincing and I um and then I thought well it's you know it's called this worm and it's a it's in icy conditions and so yeah it might have a different skin uh texture to it so who knows but yeah I'll how have to uh,
1: how big was it roughly
0: well, it's hard to tell from the way that the video was ah, done because okay. it's taken a good—I don't know, maybe thirty, forty meters away.
1: Yeah, right. Okay.
0: But from the way it looked in the video, I would say the creature itself must be must be four to five meters long.
1: Okay. Yep. Yep.
0: It wasn't small by any means.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to send me the link because I'm intrigued by that one.
0: All right, then, mate. I shall. Thank you. Well, well, over to you, my
1: good man. Well, this first one I've got is uh, a personal one, actually. Um, And now this is, I know I, you know, I like a yarn. I like to tell a few stories, a few jokes, you know, but uh, this one's actually true. And I'd forgotten about it until my daughter came into the bedroom and I was um, researching and she said, what are you doing? What's the podcast about? And I told her and she goes, oh, don't forget to tell that story about that weird bird thing that you saw the other week. I was like, oh, yeah. So I was uh, not last week just gone, but the week before I was heading up to um, a place up in the mountains called Kalorama, which uh, recently uh, in the last month or so, or just over a month was um, was hit really badly by some severe storms, weather conditions that we had that took down hundreds of trees. And I'm talking big mountain ash trees that were, uh, you know, 30, 40 meters high, Um yeah so so devastating and then driving through there it was actually really somber because it was like a um it was like a battleground you know what i mean it was just dirt and and uh, trees and Root systems everywhere and i mean all the uh the the um you know tree lopping crews have been up there and cleared a path and they've done really really well up, up there actually but anyway so i was heading up there to see a client and one to just to see how they were i'd spoken to him on the phone but i was keen to see him and his wife and then also to try and help do any clearing i could anyway so i was just coming into the town of calorama And this happened to be a little bit more of a denser area as far as bush. So not many trees were down in this particular spot I was driving through. And in the corner of my eye on the left-hand side of the road, um, I saw something flutter, something black flutter. And then I had to quickly jump on the brakes because this bird, I'm guessing it was some sort of bird, but I've never, ever seen anything like this before in my life. It was probably... Probably the uh, somewhere between the size of a cat and a medium-sized dog, let's say. So it was fairly biggish. Um, um, it was flapping its wings. It had long black wings and like long, um, like I don't know what you'd call them, but like tail-like things coming off the ends of the wings, which was weird. Like long, I guess long feathers. It also had a very long feathered tail, but only... Um, like maybe two, three, four feathers, but they were really, really long as well. Um, it, I definitely... Because it was so close, like it literally ran in front of the car, I braked, and then I watched it run across the other side of the road, if you know what I mean, on the right-hand side, before it disappeared into the bush. It had webbed feet. It had the head of what looked like somewhere between a duck and a crow. and okay. And that was it. It was just... And it was jet black. Like the whole thing was black. And it... The way it ran, I don't obviously because it was scared, but it—I it, I got the impression it couldn't fly at all. It kind of just ran awkwardly and fell over itself, and it was really like like a stupid looking bird, like it really was, and it just looked clumsy. I I don't know if it had been injured so it couldn't move properly or something. I didn't actually hit it with my car. It just ran out. I braked. I wasn't going that fast because of all the clearing that's been going on up there. It's only 40 kilometres an hour anyway. So I was only going very slow, and then – so braking was easy. It ran away, ran across the right-hand side of the road, you know, and then into the bush, and that was it. And I was like – and I I shook my head, and I have like – thought w- did i just fucking see that and then i was like what was that <laughs> and i honestly have no idea what the fuck it
0: was <laughs> yeah, actually i'm quite impressed with your recollection of it given that it was probably fairly quick it was uh, It
1: was quick, but it wasn't like super fast it didn't it didn't piss bolt across the road it sort of like I said it kind of fell over itself it was like clumsy as if maybe it had been injured and it was like nursing a bad wing or something you know that kind of run that just yeah. awkward best way I can describe it but I keep meaning to um, actually well because i'd forgotten about it now i'm thinking'll I'll, um, I'll uh, try to google it. And describe it as best I can But then I started thinking You know how your mind starts to wonder. Then I start Before I got to the customer's house I started to think Imagine if because of all the storms You know Some underground creature Had been
0: like (laughs) 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 Uprooted After a discussion of the descent last week I can see why you would have immediately gone to that thought
1: Yeah Well this was before that episode actually But um (laughs) Yeah, yeah, oh. very, very strange looking thing. And like I said, the head, yeah, it was, it was duck ish, but also a little bit crow ish.
0: To me, it's it almost sounds like a peacock, but with mutations. Like it's almost like <laughs> a really strange, like a combination of like a blackbird, raven, duck, and a peacock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because some, of- uh, some, some result of a menage a trois between all of those birds. <laughs>
0: I wonder if they've got, like, any pheasants or things like that up in the hills.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, didn't look it's like just, a pheasant, though.
0: Nah, let's just believe that it's a subterranean creature.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's cooler anyway.
1: Now, that story <laughs> took a little bit longer, so you jump jumping back over to you, Big Wes.
0: That's all right, mate. Thank you for sharing it. It's great. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to go straight into it without giving you the title. <laughs> Goblins nice. are a problem. Of increasing concern in Zimbabwe.
1: Oh, Zimbabwe. I wouldn't have thought that was a problem over there.
0: No, well, mate, they're, they're fucking rife with it. In 2012, schoolgirls from the St. Sebastian Secondary School in Bulawayo fled screaming after they were allegedly attacked in their classrooms by goblins resembling
1: <laughs> <laughs> Resembling what?
0: Dwarves. <laughs> with <ships laughs> Into baboons.
1: Oh, wow, okay.
0: These evil spirits are known as Zvikwambo. Uh, sorry, I'll say, I'll say that again Zvigwumbo in the Shona language and are believed to be only visible to those whom they attack. Apparently, vicious mermaids frightening workers sent to install water pumps on reservoirs have also been identified as Zvikwambo. These goblins have been accused of everything from invading marital beds and demanding <laughs> sexual favors to attacking nurses and the police
1: Jesus Christ <laughs> they, sound, they sound nasty, didn't they <laughs> <laughs> Is I,
0: think... that I, can imagine, I can imagine because of the reputation of a Zimbabwean goblin or these zikwambo um. It would be easy to uh, make
1: that the excuse
0: Yeah, for yeah a bit strange happening Like you tried something a bit fucked up In your marital bed with the missus And you know, something weird happened And, you know, you scared the fuck out of her And you just, oh, look, you know um, Sorry, sorry, doll uh, I think we were, uh we had the case of the uh, the goblins coming in
1: and attack. Yeah. It's, it's, she, wow. she feels her finger like slide into her anus and she's like, yeah, what's she's that? Like, oh, fucking goblins. Fucking Is goblins. I'll a, keep telling them. <laughs>
0: Excuse, <Yeah. laughs> no one questions it. They go, I must have been a goblin. Must <laughs>
1: <have been." laughs> Yeah. I'm wondering if there's just a, a small posse of dwarves running around uh, dressed as goblins and pretending uh, just to get away with some mischief. You can never trust a dwarf, Warren. <laughs> There's an interesting, it's interesting that they, yeah, that that was
0: mentioned at all. It would have been strange enough to just say goblins that were disguised as baboons, yeah. But now they've said goblins that turned into dwarves that then took on the appearance of baboons. So the <laughs> the uh, the, of the dwarves is troubling.
1: I'm wondering. So the schoolgirls. I'm wondering if. Um, well, I've got two theories there. Uh, yeah. The first one being maybe it was just baboons. I mean, we're talking, where was it? Zimbabwe? I think so. Yeah, so I don't know where baboons hang out, technically. But I'm guessing it's over there somewhere. Uh, (laughs) And my second theory is that, you know how, like, say if there's a group of girls, but one of, and boys, but one of them gets scared and freaked out by something, then they, they will cause that ripple effect and it'd be like a mass hysteria and then they all just go, oh my God! And then just fucking run You know And then if one of them Just shouts goblin At some point or another Then that's it That's the story They're going to go with You know
0: Yeah and it was A small guy From the class Underneath them Called Merrick
1: (laughs) (laughs) And another thing Is like I said before Dwarves can't be trusted But schoolgirls Also cannot be trusted (laughs) That's Uh, (laughs) right What was that sorry
0: I said it's a recipe for disaster.
1: (laughs) That's right. Uh, Now, I'll do a little uh, reading about a yeti, um, or about the yeti, and then we'll go to a quick break. But um, I just wanted to make mention, I couldn't find any encounters with yetis. I could find one with Bigfoot, so I've got that for later. But for yetis, I've just got this. Yeti, uh, loosely translated to wild man, believed by some to live in the Himalayan mountains, interests in the Yeti spike during the 1950s when Western climbers ascending Mount Everest reported Yeti footprints. This prompted the government of Nepal Nepal to issue regulations for Yeti hunting expeditions, including pay the Nepalese government for a permit five thousand rupees, roughly eleven hundred dollars today, photograph <laughs> photograph or capture the Yeti but not kill it. Turn over to the Nepalese officials and any photos of or information of Yeti sightings. Um, And just this little extra little snippet, Michael Ward, a mountaineer and surgeon, found a series of large footprints in the snow while ascending Mount Everest for the first time with Sir Edmund Hillary in 1953. Hillary, Hillary said of the Yeti that there was never any real reliable evidence to suggest such a creature exists. So, yeah, that's my little bit on... Uh, that's on straight 90s. from Hillary.
0: That's straight from the mouth of the, the, the first
1: ascent of Everest. Well, that's right. They did take some photos, and these were the size of a a of a pickaxe, you know, like the, that they use for climbing uh, snow peaks. Um, and, I mean, could easily be faked, but then again, why would they? The first time they're going up Everest, are they really going to bother, you know, doing some fake Yeti footprints? You know what I mean? So who knows? Who knows?
0: They didn't want to be beaten very quickly.
1: Yeah, oh, that's true. That's true, yeah. yeah. Don't come up here. There's fucking yetis everywhere.
0: Yeah, guys, you're probably better off hunting for the yeti. Look, I wouldn't worry about Everest.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Hey, I I, uh, very much enjoyed the uh, horror movie review last week, Warren, with you. The Descent, it was great. thoroughly enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it?
0: Yeah, I did, mate. It was good. I mean, as you know, it's one of my favourite movies, so uh, I'm more than happy to talk about it for as long as you need. But, uh, yeah, it was good to be a part of the, the horror movie review section of the show.
1: Well, I'll let you know that you did so well in that segment, Warren, that I will invite you back in a later date. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. I appreciate it. I'm honoured. But for now, we'll go to another horror movie review. This one is Misery that I watched with uh, my two older girls and the wife the other night. So I'll play that now. Excellent. Believe it or not, I've only read a small handful of Stephen King novels. I've read It, I've read Carrie, I've read The Shining. Um, I've also read one called Misery. Now, a lot of his books have been converted over to movies, um, such as Shining and, and It. Um, apparently, he wasn't too fan of the, uh, the movie, The Shining, Mr. Mr. King. He thought, it was, uh, he thought it was a bit lacking. I don't know what he thought of Misery, uh, but I bloody love the movie Misery. I love the book as well. And uh, that's what this review is all about. After a serious car crash, novelist Paul Sheldon, played by James Caan, is rescued by former nurse Annie Wilkes, played by Kathy Bates, who is amazing in this movie. Annie Wilkes claims to be the biggest fan of Paul Sheldon. Annie brings him to a remote cabin to recover where her obsession takes a dark turn when she discovers Sheldon is killing off her favourite character from his novels, Misery. As Sheldon devises a plan for escape, Annie grows increasingly controlling, even violent, as she forces the author to shape his writing to suit her twisted fantasies. I've seen this movie several times over the years as it was released in 1990, so I think I probably saw it when I was an early teenager and then have watched it, you know, uh, several times since. And I watched it last night with the kids and the wife for the first first time, uh, the older kids, and... What I was pleased with is that I, it's probably been about maybe five or six years since I've watched it, and it still affected me. I was still on the edge of my seat. I was still grimacing at parts. I was still like gritting my teeth and going, oh my God. And that's, to me, that's the sign of a great movie. That's some great writing and superb acting. However, as I knew certain parts were going to come up, and I'm not going to uh, put any spoilers in this uh, particular episode, um, but there was there's certain scenes that really make you cringe, and that's putting it lightly, really. Now, instead of watching the actual scene unfold, I decided to watch my daughters and my wife and see their expressions on their face, and it was it was priceless. And maybe maybe I'm kind of twisted. But taking some sort of sick pleasure out of seeing their faces sort of screw up and going, oh my God, when certain things happened. But that's kind of the fun of watching these types of movies, in my opinion. Um, you know, we all know that they're not real. Um, even though certain people be- did believe that this was based on a true story, it actually it actually wasn't. So that makes it better in my mind. If it was based on a true story, then yeah, I think that's a whole different layer of horror really, isn't it? Um yeah, but I, I don't know. I spoke to the family after and said, what do you think? They all loved it. Um, it's, it's definitely aged, I suppose, being a, a movie from 1990. But it's aged well, like a fine wine. Now, I've got some interesting little factoids uh, from the movie that I thought I'd share with you. Um, James Kahn and Kathy Bates clashed over their acting methods. Kahn believed in as little rehearsal as possible, um, believing in keeping things fresh. Bates, however, with her theatre background, was used to practising a hell of a lot. When she commented to Rob Reiner, the director, that Khan was not attempting to relate or listen to her, Reiner told her to use that frustration towards her character, and that worked a bloody treat. Um, Rob Reiner, the director, I just mentioned, now I I didn't know this, but he was actually the director of two of my favourite movies, which is Wolf of Wall Street and The Princess Bride. I thought that was... Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> uh, Misery was almost turned into a Broadway play with Julia Roberts' as Annie Wilkes. Stephen King uh, vetoed the idea because Annie is, in his words, a brawny woman who can sling a guy around, not a pixie. However, in 2015, a Broadway adaptation was ultimately produced to critical and commercial success starring bruce willis as paul sheldon and laurie McCarth as annie wilkes Hmm, have to uh, look into that one james khan accepted the lead role after jack nicholson turned it down Kahn had previously turned down nicholson's oscar-winning role in one flew over the cuckoo's nest 1975 in which he also is the victim of a psychotic nurse louise fletcher who also won an oscar for her role now the role of paul sheldon was actually offered to jack nicholson um but jack nicholson after his harrowing experience on the shining <clears throat> which i'll review later on down the track um yeah he said nah i'm i'm definitely not keen he probably said no i'm definitely not keen to do another steve i can't do his voice do another stephen king um you know book to movie basically Stephen King had originally planned to release the novel under his pseudonym Richard Bachman. While writing it, however, it was discovered that King was Bachman. King subsequently published the novel under his real name and announced that Bachman had died from cancer of of the pseudonym. Uh, Annie Wilkes, uh, played by Kathy Bates, is Stephen King's all-time favorite character that he's ever written. He just absolutely loves her and believes there's a lot of depth to her. And, you, and the viewer and the reader uh, can almost, almost have some empathy towards her. Bette Midler turned down the role of Annie Wilkes. Thank Christ she did uh, because she thought it was too violent. She later called herself stupid for that decision. Jessica Lang and Barbara Streisand were up for the role of Annie Wilkes. Hmm, they- wouldn't have done too well either I think Jessica Lange would have been too glamorous and Barbara Streisand would have been too cross-eyed they they wanted to make Buster who was like the uh, the sheriff of the town more proactive than he is in the novel and to that end they gave him more deductive skills and drive towards finding Sheldon Buster was a great character in the movie and in the and in the book Rob Reiner the director was questioned before heading into production of if this was really the right project for him, as his background was mostly comedy up to this point. He stated, It's important for me to find my way into film. As you will see, the movie's really about a man who is trapped by his own success and is desperately trying to break out and establish, establish himself in a different way. I felt very much those feelings when I finished all in the family. Angelica Houston was offered the role of Annie Wilkes and was interested, but was unable to accept it due to her commitment to Grifters. So, if you haven't seen this movie, and I'm guessing maybe Big was hasn't because he hasn't seen a lot of the classics. <laughs> um, I urge you to go and watch it. It's um, it's a bit of a ride. It's an intense ride. It's it's a uh, would you say it's slow? It's not really slow, but there's not a lot going on as far as any kind of movement action and stuff like that but what does happen is intense the 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 characters are intense Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes is super impressive like you just there's certain moments where she starts to lose it like she starts you could start to see the frayed edges of her character and it's unsettling you really go oh my god like what what the shit is going on with her? <laughs> and imagine being crippled and in bed and being looked after this by this lady. Um, yeah, it's, it's scary shit, and I definitely implore you to go and watch it if you haven't done so already. I'll give it four skulls.
0: It's the Fly on the Wall motherfucking podcast.
1: Three, two, one, and we are back in be <laughs> You are listening to Fly On The Wall Podcast. My name is Luke.
0: And my name's Lucas.
1: And we're talking monster, creature, alien encounters tonight, aren't we, really? big fella?
0: Yeah, just that, that's a smooth delivery of a title for it. <laughs>
1: yeah, over to you. What have you got for us? So, in
0: March 2015, a UK-based alternative arts podcast received some strange photos From a listener in Cornwall, the photos appeared to show a tiny, partial humanoid skeleton, including a skull, rib cage and spine. The anonymous listener allegedly worked for a bird rescue centre, and one of the jobs was inspecting the nests of endangered birds to check breeding numbers and prevent the theft of rare eggs by collectors. During one such routine check in a falcon's nest, he discovered the weird bones hidden amongst the twigs and feathers and collected them in a sample bag. He assumed them to be the remains of a Cornish pixie.
1: Because <laughs> that's the first thing I'd assume. <laughs>
0: I, I, just, I just want to clarify, not a Cornish pasty.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a shame because I would have eaten the shit out of that.
0: Well, if he'd found the remains of a Cornish pasty, we probably wouldn't be talking about it right (laughs) now.
1: Next week, stay tuned for encounters with weird pastry goods.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Interesting ones out there. Um, (laughs) He did assume them to be the remains of a Cornish pixie, which is, of course, no surprise to anybody. Uh, (laughs) Afraid that he'd be ridiculed anywhere else,
1: he sent the photographs to the podcast to get their perspective on the find. Did he did it say? On, did he keep the bones?
0: So he he, uh, he must have kept the bones, and then he sent these photographs to his podcast. Ah. Um, now this is where it falls apart a bit, but I just liked the fact that I did see a photo as well. Uh, it is like a tiny human skeleton, but but and and sorry, not to be dark here, but not of like a a baby or an embryo or anything like that. It is actually like a miniature Goblin. human skeleton. Yeah, like a, but it's a miniature human skeleton Oh, okay It's in proportion to what a, an adult skeleton would appear like
1: So hang on, so how uh, so how do you know it's not like a baby's? I have no idea Oh But I'm, I'm saying to me, it just didn't
0: have that appearance It was like the skull was a very small uh, but adult human skull Because I would, I would, I don't know, if for some reason I imagine uh, a, a baby skeleton Especially at the size that this would have been To be uh, somewhat underdeveloped Oh, okay, right, right I, I, And I, you know, rather than talking about that too much I, I would rather assume it's a Cornish pixie So, <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> Yeah, me too
0: um, But suspiciously, one of the podcast's hosts uh, Was responsible for the 2007 mummified fairy hoax in Ireland
1: Ah, oh, okay, well that just fucking <laughs> pulled the rug under it, didn't it?
0: but has long since recanted, recanted and has stated that while he believes in fairies, he thinks they are spirit entities rather than flesh and blood creatures. As for the Cornwall Discovery, he admits to being baffled.
1: I think that guy's a fucking fairy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought it was funny, and, and there were photos there too, and I thought, well, either way, it makes for an interesting tale, I suppose. I'm
1: wondering if it's um. You remember? Uh, you remember last week we talked about the seagull that took the chihuahua away, and you you perfectly named the chihuahua Chip. Um, I'm wondering if it's the skeletal remains of Chip. Yeah,
0: it could be. It could be. Now it's been uh, the, the um, seagull traded off the the disused meat to a falcon. Yeah. Who, Took it back to finish completing his nest before he was due to have, um, you know, the babies, the eggs. Yeah. That uh, was, yeah, it was a, a happy addition. So Chip also <laughs> became to the largest story of the Falcon family.
1: Um, now, serious question. Uh, do you believe in Pixies, Warren? <laughs>
0: <laughs> serious question. Um,
1: no. Is there is there a different... Like, is there a difference between a pixie and a fairy? Or are they the same type of thing?
0: Uh, look, I'm going to assume that they're of, of a similar um, nature and appearance, maybe. Right. I'm, do you think pixies necessarily fly?
1: Yeah, maybe not. I'm not sure. What was uh, Tinkerbell? Was she a fairy or a, or a pixie?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Because I'm sure people would be like, no, she's a pixie.
1: Yeah. Continue I would say fairy. Yeah. She's not. She's a pixie And then you get um, What do you call them? Ents Is that is it Ents? Ents or...
0: Yeah Ents
1: Yeah Yeah which uh, They don't fly They just run around the, the bush don't they?
0: Yeah that's exactly What the description is
1: And then uh, Then you get The borrowers Remember them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mum and dad Actually talk about The borrowers a lot And they'd say Before like Became a, a book And a TV show And a movie And all that kind of stuff Um, they were borrowed Sorry,
0: they said you were borrowed.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they. But they, their parents would say, um, like they'd say, "Oh, where's your pencils gone?" They go, oh, "I don't know," and then they'd say, "Oh, the borrowers must have taken them." It was kind of like a thing that people would say to kids back oh, in the day, just to scare the shit out of them.
0: I was gonna say it that just to, to make you go to sleep faster at night.
1: Yeah, see, my spin on it is, um, find your pencils, or I'll beat the shit out of you. And the kids jump jump to it, you know. <laughs> you steal someone else's pencil so they're not caught without. Pencils. Yeah, I'd rather that than them lose a pencil that I've paid some fucking money for, Warren. Um, <laughs> yeah, fucking pixies, eh? Uh, all right, so we've got Bigfoot. Now we all know Bigfoot, um, uh, also, kn- also known as the Sasquatch. Um, Bigfoot sighting. It was about a quarter past six on the morning of September the 1st, 2009. A woman commuting to a job in Rifle, Colorado. See, Americans love guns so much that they even call places gun names. Um, Colorado was feeling a little groggy on her way to work, despite her usual cup of takeout coffee. Just before she started up through Independence Pass, she decided to pull her truck over to the side of the road and get a little fresh air. As she got out of the truck, she noticed some movement in the meadow directly ahead of her. At first, she thought it might be a bear, but uh, but when the creature stood up, she saw that its arms hung to its sides just like a person. The creature was huge and had a cinnamon-coloured fur. She told the BFRO, which must be some it's sort exploding. of... Bi- bi- pardon?
0: Can I just interject uh, quickly there? Yeah. What was the
1: colour of its uh, its fur? Cinnamon coloured fur. Uh, aging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not brown. Cinnamon. Not. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. She told a Bfro investigator, which must be Bigfoot really orgasmic investigator or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and after some coaxing on the part of the investigator, she also revealed that it had an additional anatomical feature: a pair of large oh. breasts. Prior, prior to the encounter, the witness admitted that she had always poo-pooed the possibility of such creatures existing, but said, "My life is forever changed." So, what do you think about Bigfoot breasts, Warren? Let's
0: say once they're shaved, they all look the same, mate. That's
1: true. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to wrap your lips around some hairy udders. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> 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 Not really, no. uh, I, I remember, uh, I won't mention any names But I remember at high school, there was this kid we went to school with Who was a was a complete fuckwit, in my opinion <laughs> And he said that a particular girl we went to school with Who was quite, we all found her quite attractive And she was also very lovely Do you know who I'm talking about, Warren? So I
0: do now, I just remembered the conversation
1: Yeah, he put around this rumour that she had hairy breasts And I wanted to punch him in the throat so hard because I didn't want the vision of her breasts ruined, tainted by this prick. (laughs) Nah, Nah, I just thought, what a nasty thing to put around the school, you know? And he would like laugh all stupid about it. And I'd be like, shut the fuck up, man. You don't even know that, you dickhead. You don't know either. Oh, fuck, I want to beat the shit out of him.
0: The way that he's laughing, it does sound like he's probably a little bit ripe for uh, conversation himself. Oh, he's a,
1: oh, he was a massive... I think Glenn will know who I'm talking about. He had, like, dribbly lips and blurry eyes, and he was fucking... <laughs> like, like, he was constantly hounded by fucking, uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Hay fever. <laughs> yeah, he was a dickhead.
0: hay fever man of Melbourne.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, over to you, Big Walsh.
0: Okay, actually, just briefly, when you were talking about um, interesting town names, yeah, uh, it was just weird because last week, sometime, I was looking at uh, ghost towns, and there was two that really caught my attention in America. I think they're both in Arizona, actually. One was called Twin Arrows. That's cool. And one was called Two Guns. Oh yeah, nice. And they were both towns that are now uh, abandoned, but Two Guns was actually the place where there's the Apache Death Cave.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, that sounds cool.
0: A, a whole bunch of uh, Apache Indians were, I think, burnt to death or smoked to death in, in the cave system. I think, um, but, yeah, just that made me think of it. I thought they do love their weapon names. Yeah, so I think town-
1: from memory, I think both those towns were knocked down and redeveloped, redeveloped and turned into one big bazooka town. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this is uh, this
0: Port Bang Bang, and
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So that just made me think of that. But here we go. So I'm actually up to aliens now. Would that be okay?
1: You can jump into aliens. I've still got two more creature stories and then an alien story. But go with your um, alien, and then we'll go to another break.
0: Are you sure?
1: Do it, man.
0: Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go, mate in uh, oh, okay around 1952 Elizabeth Clara would state not only that she'd made contact with an alien life form but that she'd gone to his home world and conceived a child with him oh wow According to Clara, she successfully called down Alien She called Akon, not the uh, musical artist. <laughs> <I mean.
1: laughs> yeah, he does that. He did the uh, the remake version of Lonely. I'm
0: <laughs> Mister Lonely. And it's the, the other one. Damn,
1: sexy bitch. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, was that him too? I know he did I, uh, with. Uh, Wasn't didn't you do one with Shaggy? And it was like, I saw you sleeping with your Dog, it wasn't me. <laughs> Something like that. It's all mate. I, I don't know. <laughs> I saw you sucking on your dog's dick. It wasn't me. I saw you sucking on your dad's dick.
0: It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, because it was 1952, let's assume it's not him, unless there was some time element involved. Um, okay, so Akon would arrive in his scout ship from there. They would transfer to the main mothership and then travel to Meton, Akon's home planet, which, according to Clara, was in the Alpha Centauri system. However, the son they conceived would remain with Akon on Meton. As you might imagine, this did little for Clara's credibility. She would nevertheless stick to her story, despite the fact she was almost universally not believed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, what's her name? What was her name?
0: Uh, who was Elizabeth? Oh God! Who Look,
1: I, I think, I think I'm reading between the lines here. I think Liz just is a little bit lonely and desperately needs some cock. And if she can't get any human cock, she's making up some fairy tale fucking Martian alien acon cock. Because <laughs> so I guess
0: everyone would want to know, wouldn't they? They'd yeah, of be course. all asking it would be the centre of conversation for the town yeah. it would be the talking point for everybody
1: So, I, so I, I kind of feel sorry for her But I mean, just go buy a dildo, you know <laughs> Sort your shit out <laughs> That's right
0: And you can fantasise about Akon all by yourself
1: <laughs> That's it Alright, I'll do one more before we go to a quick break um, Now this one, I reckon you'll like it Warren I liked it um, It did give me a bit of a shiver up the spine um it's called the screeching creature excellent i like it already i've never had an experience in uh, myself but do believe in this kind of sim and similar phenomena i had never spoken with my girlfriend about this sub which is the page that i found this thing on unknown humanoids or any paranormal occurrences for that matter one friday night she and i were at a friend's house and decided to leave at around 1am it was very foggy outside being that we live near rivers and creeks in rural illinois she goes to the gas station on her way home to the rural town where we both live about a block away from each other i get home and don't hear from her for a bit so they're separate cars until she calls me very shaken up and crying She says on her drive home, she saw something crouched in the road on the right side. It looked to be fairly small, possibly a child. She rolled her window down and asked if it it were okay. Sorry about the, the way it's written. If it were okay and got no answer and only heard the thing sobbing. She pulls over and gets out of the car and walked up to whatever this was and attempted to ask if it needed any help. The thing stands up on two feet at over six feet and lets out a god-awful screech and runs off the road into some pretty dense woods near a tributary of the Cascara River. She can't say it was a boy or a girl, but she can say she's never heard something like that before. When she looked down at the road where it had been sitting, there was a half-chewed rabbit. She still has night, oh. still has nightmares about the thing screeching at her. <laughs> now Warren would you like to uh, give some kind of rendition of the screech? <laughs>
0: um okay cuz I, I don't want to be too loud cuz I might freak people out but let me let me just channel this Yeah
1: yeah channel me. it think about it give us your yeah. best. Okay. That was was excellent. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That was actually, that was excellent. I really liked that because it had that really vibrating, like hurt your ears kind of sound, you know, that level. That was cool. That was cool. I'm imagining
0: imagining this creature, because it said it was over six foot, kind of um, slightly haunched. Yeah, yeah. up towards the sky and just screeching that at the yeah.
1: sky it's <laughs> <Yeah, that's> terrifying <laughs> terrifying Damn. i think the story is pretty like meh you know but the screeching part is scary and you just the volume and the noise you just gave it was perfect for that creature all right we'll go to a uh, a good bad ugly and we'll come back with a couple of more stories no wackers. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And Weird. Weird. For the Good, Bad, Ugly, and Weird episode this week, I'm doing Ugly. The Ugly Duckling is a Danish literary fairy tale by Danish poet and author Hans Christian Andersen. I'm sure you've heard of him. It was first published on the 11th of November, my anniversary actually, in 1843, but, uh, Yeah, I didn't get married in 1843. The tale has been adapted to various media, including opera, musical, animated and film. The tale is an original story by Anderson. Now, most of you probably know the plot, but I'll just quickly outline it. When the story begins, a mother's duck's eggs hatch. One of the little birds is perceived by other birds and animals on the farm as an ugly little creature and suffers much verbal and physical abuse from them. It's pretty nasty, really. He wanders sadly from the barnyard and lives with wild ducks and geese until hunters slaughter the flocks. He finds a home with an old woman, but her cat and hen tease and taunt him mercilessly, and once again he sets off alone. The duckling sees a flock of migrating wild swans. He is delighted and excited, but he cannot join them, for he is too young and cannot fly. Winter arrives. A farmer finds and carries the freezing little duckling home, but the foundling is frightened by the farmer's noisy children and flees the house. He spends a miserable winter alone in the outdoors, mostly hiding in a cave on the lake that partly freezes over. When spring arrives, a flock of swans descends upon the lake. The ugly duckling, now having fully grown and matured, is unable to endure a life of solitude and hardship any more, and decides to throw himself at the flock of swans, deciding that it is better to be killed by such beautiful birds than to live a life of ugliness and misery. He is shocked when the swans welcome and accept him, only to realise by looking at his reflection in the water that he had been not a duckling at all, but a swan all this time. The flock takes to the air, and now the beautiful swan spreads his gorgeous large wings and takes flight with the rest of his new family. It's, uh um... yeah, it's a bit of a dark story. It's about bullying. It's about acceptance. It's about um, you know that internal struggle of self uh, self esteem and stuff like that. In reviewing Hans Christian Andersen, a new life by biographer Jens Anderson, British journalist Anne Chisholm writes: Anderson himself was a tall, ugly boy with a big nose and big feet, and when he grew up, with a beautiful singing voice and a passion for the theatre. He was cruelly teased and mocked by the other children. The ugly duckling is the child of a swan whose egg accidentally rolled into a duck's nest. Speculation suggests that Anderson himself was the illegitimate son of Prince Christian Frederick, later King Christian VIII of Denmark, and found this out some time before he wrote the book, and then that being a swan in the story was a metaphor not just for inner beauty and talent but also for secret royal lineage. Bruno Bottleheim observes in the Uses of Enchantment that the ugly duckling is not confronted with the tasks, tests or trials of typical fairy tale hero and I quote, No need to accomplish anything is expressed in the Ugly Duckling. Things are simply fated and untold accordingly, whether or not the hero takes some action. In conjunction with Bottleheim's assessment, Maria Tatar notes the unnoted anot- the Hans Christian Andersen that Andersen suggests that the Ugly Duckling that the ugly duckling's superiority resides in the fact that he is a breed of difference from the barnyard rabble and that dignity and worth, moral and aesthetic superiority are determined by nature rather than accomplishment. I think most of us are familiar with, uh, you know, old nursery rhymes and stories and things like that, like little red riding hood, Humpty Dumpty. Um, but what I'm interested in is their origins. Um, now, from my understanding and from very little research that I've done so far is that they are often folklore. They're, they're folk tales told to children over the last hundreds and hundreds of years and usually designed to instill some sort of fear into them. Like the little red riding hood tale, um, you know, don't trust strangers basically. Um, and then, you know, that's, that's something that's continued on today, stranger danger. Uh, so I, I think, because of the interest I've got there, um, I think I might do a bit of a series of these over the next coming episodes of Fly on the Wall podcast and Good, Bad, Ugly. Um, and, yeah, and talk about some of these um, these old stories that may be just a little bit creepier than what they appear to be on the surface. All right, uh, over to me. No, back to you, back to you, back to you.
0: Back to me, my friend, because you just told us about the... Uh... The screaming monster, the
1: screeching animal, the screeching creature. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go.
0: Okay, so this is about uh, Ludwig Parman. Now Ludwig would claim to have discovered an alien base in Brazil. Wow. And furthermore. Who have established contact with its occupants He'd first made contact with one of these mysterious visitors On a uh, train in Bombay Now called Mumbai, of course Around 1964 He began speaking with him And noticed how strange his voice was oh, Hang on, I just skipped out of that section there How strange his voice was And how perfectly white his hair glowed oh. he would make the, He would meet the same figure again later learning that his name was, according to Pullman, Satul Ra. <laughs> when he was on business in South America several years later, he would meet up with the apparent alien being once more, as well as members of his family. Among the many claims made by Pullman is that the alien visitors were running various programs and experiments with the terrestrial fruit, which they were <laughs> hybridizing at their secret bases on the planet. Furthermore, he was given a crystal ring that would glow and heat up slightly when the aliens were perhaps nearby. One of the most outlandish of Pullman's stories, if only because of its human-like quality, is of hearing of a disaster that had befallen an alien ship on another planet. One of the aliens had been introduced to previously, named Ziti, was apparently killed. Shortly after this event, coincidentally or not, Came several sightings of a large silver disc, where well, Pullman claimed the aliens had their base. Needless to say, while many in the UFO community are aware of Pullman's alleged encounter, most distance themselves from such claims.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, my theory on Ludwig is yeah. that he's in denial of his own homosexuality and me- meeting up with this with this guy this alien guy um and instead of a crystal ring i think it's a an anal uh, what do you call it a cock ring um i think they've definitely experimenting with fruit at one point <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think he's full of shit. I think he just needs to, you know, come out the closet and be proud and be like, "Hey, this is me. I like guys." And what of it? Not not make up some weird fucking alien story. And yeah, very detailed story though he's done. He's gone with. <laughs> yeah, what, what the visuals that I've got conjured up here, in that
0: look, let me share them with you, Luke, and see if it, it kind of manifests itself in your mind as okay, well. Okay, Warren. Yep. Yeah. Now, it talks about meeting this gentleman uh, or, you know, this, this person, this creature on a train uh, on the way to Mumbai. Now, also about the silver hair present. Now, what I've got in my mind is, you know, Kamal, the singer.
1: Yeah, yep.
0: Right, so what I've got is a Kamal kind of character, but with silver white flowing hair. <laughs> yeah,
1: just singing, Dilma.
0: A little bit like Richard Branson, so he's got the silver white hair of Richard Branson, but the wonderful uh, glowing countenance of Kamal. <laughs>
1: yeah. a- Even I'm attracted to this guy.
0: Yeah, that's right. So he's <laughs> what we're saying now is that he's had a homosexual relationship, which is obviously perfectly fine. Of but at the time, he was perhaps a little self-conscious. Yep. And like you said, has actually used uh, a quite a detailed tale uh, to. To cover up that fact. And I think and
1: it- I think he's gone with exotic fruits as well to put inside his person. You know, I think he's gone with like mango and guava and all sorts of things.
0: Yeah. And and like he's taken him on this business trip to South America. Yeah. And that's why this remarkable creature has popped up again in Brazil.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Ludwig, if you're listening, mate, hello, firstly. And uh, look, mate, just just come out. It's okay. No, there's no hate here. There's no hate. It's all right. all right. We've got all the uh, we've got the, the final creature one, and then I've got an alien story as well. But the creature one, you'll like this one, Warren, because it's named after your favourite monster, which is a crawler. Excellent. This one's called Pale Crawler. I Love was it. I was napping on my futon, which is a low lying bed for those people that don't know. You're not a UFO. <laughs> At my parents' home in Texas in the middle of the day I can't remember the exact timing of when this took place But I do remember it being real hot I rolled over to kick off the blanket I rolled off, hang on I rolled over to kick off the blanket And when I opened my eyes I saw for only a second The image of some pale humanoid creature Kneeling on its hunches Is it hunches or haunches? I've always said haunches Yeah, me too So maybe they, yeah Let's go with haunches some, okay. some pale humanoid creature kneeling on its haunches looking at me. It couldn't have been that tall since its eyes were only a few inches above my head. I could see the top of its knees which its head was resting upon. While I can't remember many details about the face, I knew somehow that it wasn't entirely right, for lack of a better term. I can't remember if it even had any hair on its head or body or colour to its eyes but I can remember that its skin was very, very pale and it looked as if it were just skin and bones. I don't know why the image of this creature was so vivid even though I only saw it for a second, but even to this day, it stands out. I've only recently been able to give a name to this thing since I saw a post on this page describing something similar and they called it a crawler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's creepy. I, I think anything pale, including us, is scary. <laughs> no, weird, bony, skinny, pale, translucent, bug-eyed, fucking golem looking motherfuckers. Uh, sc- scary shit, I reckon. Imagine seeing one loping out of the dark bushes like where you are right now, Warren. It just came loping out at you, just screeching like you did that be- screech before. <laughs> that's, that's scary that's to okay. me.
0: As you were saying, imagine it. I was imagining it and like I'm sitting here looking up my driveway. Yeah. And I just imagine this maybe six and a half, seven foot.
1: Oh, wow, wow, big one.
0: Just kind of walking like lumbering out of the darkness. Yeah. Just going to walk, but I'd be fucking terrified. But it's
1: got a it's got massive hands that sort of drag on the on the floor, on the ground as it oh, walks yeah. towards you, and it walks towards, doesn't know you're in the car, right? So it walks towards you. It's got these massive ears as well, and they sort oh, of move independently of each other like a dog, and it walks out, looks around, and its ears are like like little radars searching as well, and its eyes are sort of twitching, and then suddenly it beckons, and then a fucking shitload more of them come running out behind it. <laughs> what would you do? You're sitting in your car with your phone? What would you do? Sorry? What would you do?
0: I would probably start the van and I would block the gate and then I, <laughs> yep. I would climb out the passenger side and go inside.
1: Yeah, save the family.
0: Yeah, mate, we've talked about this before. It would become a fortress within minutes.
1: What kind of uh, what kind of weapon do you reckon you'd, you'd grab to fight these fucking long, lanky, pale motherfuckers?
0: I don't know, just a bit of fucking wood.
1: <laughs> yeah, I suppose you'd just grab anything that's at hand, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Because
0: that's so unexpected. Like the things we've talked about before had like more time yeah. involved preparation, whereas I think if that literally just kicked off right now, <laughs> <laughs> just whatever. Yeah.
1: Just, would you call the Would you call the police and try to explain what's outside? <laughs>
0: There's about 50 or 60 fucking tall, pale men. Just... <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, mate, <laughs> stop being in denial of your homosexuality and just go enjoy the gangbang, mate. <laughs> <laughs> there,
0: there's too many times to count, mate. Just take a few deep breaths and step outside and take it out. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Uh, all right, over to you.
0: Okay, mate. All right, here we go. Now, I'd f- oh, here we go, yes. So... Private security guard, Piero Fortunato Zanfreda, was driving his rounds in Torriglia, Italy, that icy cold night when just a bit after midnight, his car's engines, uh, engine, sorry, lights and radio all failed at once, bringing the car to a stop in front of one of his client's house, houses. While this bothered him, Zanfreda quickly noticed four strange lights moving around the client's house. Assuming these were burglars, he grabbed his gun and flashlight, walked through the open gate and snuck quietly along the wall to surprise them. Then someone touched his back. Oh. Spinning around with his gun and light in front of him, Zanfreda turned to look and discovered a huge triangular craft glowing brightly enough that he had to shield his eyes, was rising from the backyard of the house with a hissing noise. He ran to his car and made a desperate call out on the radio, which cut off before he could give his location. An hour later, two other patrol cars came through the area and discovered Zanthreda lying on the ground out in front of the now closed gate to the house. As they approached, he jumped up, pointing his gun at them. His eyes were bulging and he didn't seem to recognize them. They managed to overpower him but noticed as they did so that Zanfredo and his clothes were very warm despite the icy temperatures he had presumably been lying in until just a moment before. Further investigation after daybreak showed two huge horseshoe-shaped impressions on the ground behind the house. Mm. If something massive had been sitting there and 52 witnesses from around the city had all seen the bright light in the area at the same time then claimed to have been attacked
1: Ah, okay So that that definitely gives it more credence When you've got more witnesses, you know
0: Oh, what's that? 52 witnesses Yeah, wow I mean, you know, you just go Oh, okay, well, what was it then? What were the actual possibilities of, of that? If yeah. there's actually some weight behind What he experienced by these other witnesses I, I think that's quite a good story And I also think he's got a fantastic name Say it again Piero Fortunato Zanfretta.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I just call him Peppy. No, Peppy. Yeah, okay. Uh, so my last one is an alien one, and it's a longer one, but it's a very interesting one. Would you like me to read it now, Warren? Shoot. So this is an Aussie alien story. That's what sort of grabbed my attention. The second thing that grabbed my attention is that it's known as one of the, you know, amongst uh, ufologists, um, as one of the Holy Grail stories because it has so many witnesses. Now, Uh, your your one that you just told then would be considered the Holy Grail story too. Indeed, yes. As detailed in a 1996 book encounter, uh, Ms. Carhill's case had all the hallmarks of the classic alien abduction story of the era. Lost time, strange spaceships, bright lights, inhuman creatures, and and inexplicable marks on her body. But her story had something other than alien visitations that other alien visitations didn't. Independent witnesses who could potentially back up her story. Along with her then-husband, Andrew, he sounds like a prick, who, <laughs> who was in the car with her on that fateful night on Melbourne's southeastern fringes, there were reportedly four other people in two separate cars who would be able to verify her otherworldly claims. Because of its multiple witnesses, the incident has, was hailed as the holy grail of alien abduction stories by UFO researchers and enthusiasts. <clears throat> so here's the story. <coughs> Excuse me. According to Miss Cahill, she and her then-husband Andrew were driving along the Belgrave Hallam Road in Narry Warren. So this is – we know these areas, Warren. This is what made it kind of creepy for me. On the fateful winter's night in 1993. So we were, what, year 9, 14 years old, just discovering our peckers? <laughs> <laughs> they were en route to a friend's house when Miss Cahill saw in a paddock of a row of five or six large orange lights on a distinct circular of a distinct circular shape like nothing i had ever seen before she wrote in her book when they, when they arrived at their destination her husband and friends and eventually even miss carhill laughed it off but about midnight driving home on the same road she and andrew apparently saw what she believed to be the same lights hanging above the road I could I could then see that the orange lights were really windows. I could make out figures standing behind the portals, Miss Cahill wrote. An object flew off at incredible speed, but soon after they saw it again in a paddock on the road, Miss Cahill said. Sorry, that's a bit convoluted there. After that, Miss Cahill's memory blanked like a cut to a scene in a film, and their car had travelled several hundred metres down the road without them knowing. In the days and weeks that followed she claimed to find strange marks on her body including a small triangular wound below her belly button and began experiencing stomach pains and night visitations from tall black hooded figures with lightly glowing red eyes. Through hypnosis she said she was able to unlock her missing time. Her husband had pulled over and they'd got out of the car to get a better look at the brightly lit object in the paddock. Further back up the road, another car had parked, its occupant standing at the edge of the field. A tall, thin figure appeared in front of the object and Miss Carhill heard in her mind its thoughts. Let's kill them. More more beings appeared, unleashing an energy force that knocked Miss Carhill to the ground as she screamed to her husband. They've got no souls. They've got no souls. They're evil. They're going to kill us. And that's where her recollections end. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so very strange. So she's seen an orange thing like uh, windows with figures standing behind them. And then they've pulled, they've sort of blacked out. But then through hypnosis have unlocked those blackout moments only to be told, only to realize that the tall, weird, gangly figures were saying let's kill them they're evil, kill them yeah, so that one kind of blew my mind only because it's I guess it's an Australian story and it's local it's like ra- around the corner. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, was it at that point that the husband left her?
1: Yeah, he said, look, I'm off. Uh, I'm you know, good luck with you and your drugs, but I want to I want some clean living. I'm off to build a shed. <laughs>
0: well, what we discovered was that it was this old man with a hooded cloak on called Acon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not fucking yeah. I'm, not, I'm not
1: tolerating this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you got another alien story for us, Big was
0: I have, mate. Well, on the, uh, on the subject of Australian encounters, uh, incidentally, just as a small fact, there are 10,000 incidences in 130 folders on UFOs or flying sources wow. in Australian records.
1: A lot of crazy people out there.
0: Just <laughs> hello to all our ufologists. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> um, But, yeah, so we have quite the backlog. Apparently it used to be kept here in Victoria, um, somewhere in Melbourne. They used to have some sort of bureau where they had it all, but it's oh, okay. been apparently spread all over the country in different, you know, networks and filing and storage and all this sort of stuff. But I thought that was an interesting fact. just yeah, it it showed yeah. how In Australia, with a moderately... Small population, really. Um, we have such a history of it as well. I mean, we,
1: we are known for our alcohol consumption as well, though. <laughs> 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 now, nah, look, as, as much as I'm mocking, I, I do tend to believe that there is something out there. Um, I believe that we, people have probably seen some weird shit going on. So, yeah, I, I don't, I, well, I'm mocking because for the sake of the podcast, but yeah, my actual personal belief is that there, there's got to be something out there for sure. Yeah,
0: well, there you go, mate.
1: You never know. You never know.
0: know. So this is a story about uh, Frederick Valentich, Valentich, uh, who was an Australian pilot who disappeared while on a 125 nautical mile or 232 kilometre training flight in a Cessna 182L light aircraft uh, over Bass Strait on the evening of Saturday the 21st of October, 1978. Described as a flying saucer enthusiast, 20 year old Valentik informed Melbourne Air Traffic Control that he was being accompanied by an aircraft about a thousand feet or three hundred meters above him and that his engine had begun running roughly before finally reporting it's not an aircraft. Mm. There were belated reports of a UFO sighting in Australia on the night of the disappearance. However, the Associated Press reported that the Department of Transport was sceptical a UFO was behind Valentik's uh, disappearance. And that some of their officials speculated that Valentik became disoriented and saw his own lights reflected in the water oh. or light on a nearby island while flying upside down.
1: Oh, wow. Jesus.
0: But he did disappear on that flight. So whatever happened, it is a mystery. And uh, because they did have those reports on the same night of, you know, mysterious lights in the sky, I guess there is a little bit of credibility to this story as well.
1: Yeah, okay. It's got a bit of a Bermuda Triangle thing going on there, hasn't
0: it? It does. Well, especially flying out into Bass Strait, it's one of those stretches of water that – I think because it's southerly as well, it feels remote. It feels like once you're out over that ocean, you know, there's there's a whole realm of trouble
1: you could get into. But there's a few islands and things like that too. So, um, of course, yeah, of course, like landing on the other side in Tasmania. That I mean, that's an alien, that's an alien that's land land place anyway, isn't it? <laughs> 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 an, alien, an alien landscape with a bunch of two headed monsters.
0: Yeah, <laughs> who love apples.
1: Yeah Big hello to our Tasmanian listeners Uh, Yeah I think um, Yeah look I don't think You and I Are ever going to figure it all out I don't think We're ever going to have Solid rock evidence proof That you know Aliens are out there But I Yeah as I've mentioned Several times probably I just find it hard to believe That there isn't Any other life out there What about you?
0: Uh, Yeah I'm of the same thought too mate I I just think that Um People, there are a certain amount of people out there that want it so badly.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So badly that they create the the scenarios and situations. And, yeah, there's lots of mysterious things that happen in the world, but I think that it would be more common knowledge by now. I think it really would be out there. It's just why is it always in hush-whispered and, you know, hidden files and discrete, um, you know, internet shows and videos where it's all talked about. We don't have an example that we can hold up and say, yeah, remember that back in 1985? Man, that blew the lid off the whole mystery. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Nothing it's always sides. spoken, yeah, kind of behind closed doors and everything. But and uh... there's think... Sorry, you go. What? You go. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I think that the chances of a, uh, uh, unless particularly advanced... Uh, alien race, being able to even find Earth in the vastness of space is pretty limited. I mean, the, what we've sent out there into the cosmos uh, is pretty small scale yeah, you know, compared true. to the, the possibilities and the, the sheer size of what we're dealing with. So the chances of that being picked up, are I'm not going to say none, but very, very, very remote. It's like trying to find so, a
1: needle in a haystack, really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, like a needle in about a billion haystacks, it's just so yeah. tiny in comparison to anything So I guess I just feel pessimistic, I just think, you know, I think you've got to be a bit more realistic than that And just yeah. say, look, it's it's pretty slim
1: <laughs> So I think, I think in reality, if I was, say if I was walking home from somewhere and I saw something weird in the sky Like some weird light that's, or orb or something, I don't know yeah, um, I I don't think I, I mean I'd tell you I'd probably talk about it on the podcast I'd tell my friends and family but I wouldn't make a big song and dance about it and go and report it to ufologists and stuff like that I don't you know what I mean like I'd just be like oh that's yeah. fucking weird um, so I, it makes me makes me wonder how many people have seen shit and just gone oh that was fucking weird um, and not done anything with it. But also, I think, it, like you were sort of alluding to before, I think it also allows people to really jump the gun as well and go on the other end of it and go, oh, my God, I saw this, 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 and then make it bigger and more fantastical in their heads anyway, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, yes, I'd love in my lifetime to find some kind of life form out there in the world, in the universe, I should say. But I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen.
0: Well, that's why we have Keith as a friend.
1: That's right. Mr. Science himself.
0: Mr. Sime, well, I was sort of talking about more of a mysterious creature that we don't quite understand.
1: Oh, that's true as well. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. very much so. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, a a walking, talking, humanoid-like creature, um, but one that emits some really terrible (laughs) odours, has quite googly eyes, but still attractive. Still attractive. Yeah, that's right. Um, I thought you were
0: about to say... Talking living doll. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. <nah. laughs> uh, uh, but if you give him enough money, like twenty, thirty bucks, he will act like a doll for you. <laughs> yeah, he'll play dead. He'll yeah, he's a good boy. Good on him. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, all right, Love we'll you, uh, go to a quick break and come back with Dawn of the Shed. Okay. The Dawn of the Shed. Uh, So, Dawn of the Shed is our uh, newish um segment where it's not a weekly thing but it's just a little update thing every now and then uh big was and i are in the process of building a shed uh on the property i currently reside on um, <clears throat> and uh, it was big was's idea um to turn convert the carport that i had into a shed a hobby shed slash fly wall podcast headquarters Um, and his other idea was using salvaged materials and trying to keep the cost to a bare, or I sort of said, let's keep the cost to a bare minimum. Warren, you were confident, uh, to be able to find a lot of the materials I could use and which, which, which you've uh, fucking money where the mouth is because, um, yeah, you've supplied a hell of a lot. I, um, yeah, so I've kicked off the building, um, like we mentioned last time, um, but in this update, I've, uh, yeah, I've, I, I, I'm have i pleased to say I've finished one full wool, including the gable. That was kind of fun. I picked up... uh look good, mate. Yeah, thank you. I picked up a whole load of um, uh, treated, you know, uh, pine fencing from a, a yeah. lady on online who was chucking it out for free, so that was kind of cool and she told me it was roughly the fence was about twenty years old. Um right. and yeah, the biggest challenge was that when I got there or there's two challenges with it, actually when I got there to pick it up I realised there was a shitload more than I thought. Um so I took about six and a half panels I think I could squeeze into the back of the Ute. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and the second challenge was trying to prise off the fence panels without splitting them and damaging them Um, because they're quite weathered. um, And, you know, I'm not exactly a gentle person. (laughs) I I had to really sort of think, okay, just firm but fair. Be firm but fair with these panels and just, yeah, be a bit patient, take my time. But, yeah, I've been having a hell of a lot of fun.
0: Well I've seen the uh, You know if anyone's curious There's a couple of photos Up on Instagram now Of uh, Luke's progress With the building Now he says We've been building it But he has actually done All of the construction At this stage And I have got to say I'm impressed mate
1: Thanks mate Yeah I've, I've, I really am I've surprised myself In a way Like in the last uh, Since I've been Running my own Little business um, I've had to I've been called upon To do lots of Hand in man Little things And you know It's all pretty logical Sort of stuff really But I've never I've never built Anything to this scale <laughs> Now I like yeah. my I like my models I like building models And things like that In a 148 Or 156 Or hero scale um, But this is a One to one scale So Uh it's a bit different to get your head around, but at the same time, it draws a lot of parallels to the modelling because I'm using all the offcuts that I have. I'm, um, you know, using my imagination in in some ways as well because here and there, because it's and this isn't uh, I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, but because the, the the materials are recycled reclaimed timber from play equipment, isn't it, Warren? Yeah, that's it, mate. Uh, yeah, it's not like not um, like put it this way it would be a whole lot easier if i just went to the hardware store and got the the beams i needed and cut them to size but these <laughs> ones you, these ones you have to sort of fudge it here and there but i guess in a way that Kind of a big part of the fun for me. Um, that's right. But it's yeah, it's also meaning that not everything is perfectly square. <laughs> um, so I'm definitely going for a rustic aesthetic. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> I think that that's the whole idea, anyway, mate. I think that yeah. every little warp or every little part that's not quite in square, every little bit that's not a hundred percent level all gives it character because it's been built by hand and it's also built to a, a completely minuscule budget yeah and built by by someone who is just using the materials they have at their disposal and creating the space you want from. I think that that's the beauty of it, all of those factors.
1: Yeah, me too. And I uh, I think we mentioned this in the other episode, but I, I, we still have only spent $10. Um, that that's was right. on the window, which I, I actually installed that today, which was, um, I don't know why, but it was a bit of a, maybe <laughs> it sounds silly, but a bit of a momentous occasion because I was so excited when I found the window at the tip, the tip. Or, the, or the dump. I thought, oh wow, it's perfect. It's a four-panelled, you know, window. I I, I imagined laying it um, horizontally rather than vertically, and I thought, yeah, I could just imagine sitting there at my desk and looking out of this particular window. So to put that into place today, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was like a big tick in in my head. I was like, oh, the window's done. I think I'll feel <laughs> the. I think I'll feel the same when. Um, I put the door in as well. So you, you were good enough to um, locate a good solid door for me as well, which I picked up the other day. And I think I think it will be the same gratifying feeling of when I put the door in as well. I go, now my shed has a door.
0: <laughs> well, that's it, mate. Well, I suppose if you just built four walls, it wouldn't serve much of a function. So yeah. uh, to have those things in it that make it a little bit more of a – a place, it's a special place now. It has a window, there's a door coming, you know. And I think also the fact that it takes you so much closer to completing two full walls yeah, of the shed yeah. itself is is momentous as well. But honestly, it's looking great. And my question would be and this is more just a random thing now that you've seen the actual structure rather than just imagining it in it in the place of where the carport was sitting, yep does it feel so much more substantial than you imagined?
1: Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, I, I yeah. guess I was picturing something similar, but I didn't realise quite how solid it would be. Like, it's really, yeah. it's a fucking fortress. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's it,
0: right? Because, of, long,
1: the, because awesome. of the depth of those slats that you've supplied. Um, yeah. What are they? They must be an inch and a half or something, are they?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, it's a, it's a laser-cut frame thing, so it's probably, like, not quite the same as, like, a fencing standard or something. But, yeah, I reckon you're right.
1: So, handling them, you really feel like you're building, you know? But then when I was using the fence palings, I was like, oh, yeah, these are quite flimsy and I've got to be really gentle with them. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but, it, but, yeah, no, definitely um, – It's definitely taking shape similar to what I imagined, but it's a lot stronger, more solid, and a lot more fun than I imagined it was going to be, actually, to be honest. Because I was thinking, I guess there was some self-doubt. I was sort of thinking, okay, I've never built something this big before. I've built lots of little bits and pieces and, like I said, fixed lots of things, but I've never gone, right, I'm going to build some sort of structure and it's going to be, I'm going to utilise it, I'm going to be able to put a desk in there, it's going to, you know, have all these functions. Um, so, yeah, there was some trepidation going in, but now now I'm obsessed with it. Like I'm very one-eyed. Um, as soon as I'm home, if there's daylight left, I'm out there chipping away at it, you know what I mean? So I don't think the family's seen me for the last few days, because I've just been well, outside They know where you
0: are They know where you are Yeah and i got to,
1: Actually i got to say uh, My middle daughter Cyan She's very sweet She um, she keeps coming out And offering me Like cups of tea And coffee And today she made me oh. A hot chocolate And she goes It's cold out here I'll make you a hot chocolate And I was like Oh thank you So yeah I'm being supplied um, With nourishment So I can keep going But
0: yeah Isn't it funny And it also means That you won't go back inside So it's kind of nice Because <laughs> yeah. they're making They're ensuring That you stay outside
1: Yeah I can imagine All the girls Talking to each other going, Look, we can keep watching Netflix as long as we give Dad <laughs> yeah, some chocolate, it'll exactly. be fine. It'll be fine. You
0: see his little face light up every time we offer him something, <laughs> just keep doing yeah. that. Every hour on the hour, offer him something.
1: The elders <laughs> would be like, Oh yeah, I forgot he was even alive still, actually. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so no, yeah, so great, it's mate. a it's a hell of a lot of fun, really, really enjoying it. Um and yeah, it's been fun, you know, sort of seeing it take shape and come to fruition. So uh yeah, no, I'm gonna keep chipping away.
0: Well, I have to say, just on the, the, the things that you haven't mentioned just yet, you did say you'd covered in the gables, but I also think a big part of it was discovering that the pallets, that we'd
1: sort of uh, started yeah. to question their use um, for what the original purpose was. Because we were going to use them. Like... We were going to use you – got, you got a whole bunch of hard plastic pallets, and we were going to use yeah. them for the floor, weren't we?
0: Yes, we were. That was the original idea, and I, I sort of feel like maybe that's kind of – a bit void like it's not as necessary as it was i mean yeah, no. if you've got the right kind of timber and you can use it in the right combination just as you have with the walls um you can make a perfectly functional floor that's all timber and nice and strong and everything but i, I like that you've closed in the gable on that first wall yep i think that's Probably made a big difference to how you feel. It's like a fully completed wall almost. Yeah, sure. and then putting those pallets in the ceiling because you've
1: found that they actually tuck in there quite perfectly. They they, they as... wedged into those rafters like they were made to go in there. You know, like That's I haven't amazing. I haven't even fastened them down in any way. They're just literally wedged in there, um, sort of overlapping, if you know what I mean. And then yeah. and the stuff I'm going to be putting in there or on top of there is all lightweight anyway. So, so I mean, if I wanted to, I could sit up there. It would definitely hold me a hundred percent. Um, but the things I'm putting up there are tubs of, um, plastic models and craft equipment, you know, like it's not, um, not going to be heavy stuff anyway. So yeah, I was very pleased that I could build a loft <laughs> essentially. Yeah, it's,
0: it's great. It's fantastic that, that, that was that discovery that you thought of that. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited that, where it's all going and how it's heading and progress wise, because I mean, yeah, you're flying along.
1: Yeah. I'm loving it. Uh, the other thing I, I think I've told you already, I wanted to build a, um, a ladder or if we couldn't yes. source one. Um, but I want it, I want it hooked on in such a fashion that I can lift it out of like, um, uh, so it's hooked on at the top, if you know what I mean. Yeah, And then yep. I just lift it up and latch it up. You know, so yeah, it's always right. in place, but whether I drop it down or up or whatever, you know what I mean. That I think that'd be kind of fun, um, and uh, um, and uh, practical.
0: Yeah, and then it can fall down randomly and smash me in the head when we're doing the podcast. Oh, right?
1: well, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah especially <laughs> especially while we're recording. So you're like bleeding out, and I'm just yeah. cackling. You know, cat. I told
0: you it would
1: work, (laughs) man. I told you. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So, plenty more to do, though. Uh, So, I've done one small wall and then, you know, half of the next wall with a window. So, there's lots more to go. But, um, yeah, I hope you guys listening at home are enjoying um, the progress. Uh, Like Warren mentioned before, if you want to see some happy snaps, you can jump onto Instagram, which is Warren.
0: Fly on the Wall Podcast with an underscore between each of those words. You can also send us an email on.
1: the Fly on the Wall Podcast 11 one, one at gmail.com and on Twitter!
0: It's at Fly on the Wall PO1. Well, it's simple maths,
1: isn't it? Fly on the Wall Podcast is the shit.
0: Yeah, as I say,
1: it's not rocket science at all, it's just simple. Fly on the wall podcast is the shit. 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 Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, final thoughts on tonight's show, Big Warren.
0: Uh, well, thank you, Just Luke. It's, uh, it's been great. Uh, it's a bit sad not to see your your beautiful face. Um, I can imagine the it episode. is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I am looking forward to whenever the end of this thing will come around. But no, it's been fun. It's been fun talking about odd creatures and odd alien encounters and also hearing about Dawn of the Shed yet again, which is, I, I'm just really pumped about the whole project and seeing it come to completion. Yeah, me too, and I
1: I know we've finished that segment, but we'll talk about a little bit more, because I just want to say (laughs) that um, I think your enthusiasm helps fuel my enthusiasm, and I think maybe vice versa as well, but I like doing something, because I send you more photos than I put up on Instagram, because I'll show you like some particularly proud notch that I've done. (laughs) Yeah, and (laughs) also the nude ones as
0: well, so I do tend to get a lot more photos than you know other people would see
1: yeah so there's me with the hammer and yeah. the nails in my mouth and my junk just <laughs> swinging around <laughs> <laughs> see sitting on a pallet so um yeah uh how long do you reckon this lockdown will go for i know there's no i know it's, they've said it's indefinite but what are your thoughts on this lockdown because it was a snap one it was only meant to be five days and now it's going longer but what, do you, what are your thoughts
0: well, the way, the way that it seems to work, and this is all about, I guess, day-to-day and the numbers, of course, I'm yeah. sure. If anyone's in a similar scenario where it's been a more a suppression uh, strategy rather than um, kind of herd immunity or anything like this, now we're all familiar with the terms, I feel like you still need like a 14-day period. Because that's the quarantine period That's Uh, the recovery period That's the period that they make people stay at home for And get tested and stay at home So you really need a full two week uh, period To see where it's all going to go Yeah. Because you'll get new cases in that time frame And then we'll still be in the same position So I I do feel like it's going to be a full two weeks At least
1: yeah well, the good thing this time round, which um I feel a little bit oh, not silly because i was i was i really didn't know, but last year, when we had the two month lockdown when I got back yes. to work, um a lot of my clients now uh, just for a reminder for people listening and people that don't know um 99% of my work is for people with disabilities. So I'm technically a support worker. So yes, that's right. when I went back after lockdown last year, um, a lot of the clients were like, oh, where were you? We, you know, we still had our cleaners. We still had our support workers come through um, and take us shopping and all that kind of stuff. And they were yeah. in the house and, you know, and we don't understand why you couldn't have been in the garden and wave from the garden why you did your work or whatever. So... This time round, I'm working through, and uh, if I get questioned, if I get pulled over or anything like that, I can just sort of show them my credentials <laughs> and just yeah, be right. like I'm, I'm a support worker. And one – one customer, this, is, this pissed me off in a way, but one client even told me that um, the grass was getting a bit long while we were in lockdown last year, and then suddenly the council turned up and did it for her and said, oh, you know, we're offering this as a service during, for people in lockdown. And I was like, I could have fucking offered that service during lockdown. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: right. I like that you get slightly more cockney when you cross.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, and tired when I'm a little bit yeah. tired as well. Yeah. <laughs> the
0: perfect blend. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I think that uh, I'm glad that you've had that approach this time. And uh, I'm glad that it keeps you, you know, working where you need to be working, mate. It's better for the soul. But I'm sorry for anyone else who's been affected by this one. Yeah, absolutely. It can be done and dusted very quickly for for your sake and for everyone's sake.
1: It's tough out there, especially, you know, well, not especially, but a lot of people, obviously. But um, people in retail as well, that's a really tough one because they're, they're opening and closing their doors all the time there's a there's a chap down the road who get I get my keys cut and he's also sharpened a couple of tools and bits and pieces for me really nice bloke um his name is Mark um he uh was telling me that like he's fearful every time he watches the news he's like yeah. he goes because it might even if it is 3 or 4 days that still really affects his business. Like he's a he's a he's a bricks and mortar, and he mostly cash. You know, like it's lo- lots of little jobs that he does. So I'll get a key yep. cut, and it's like, you know, or a few keys cut, and it's like four or five dollars. And that's his bread and butter. You know. So he said, without that, he goes, I'm I can't pay the bills to keep this place going. I can't pay the bills at home. And you know, yeah. So I, I, my my heart goes out to people like like Mark and and other and others.
0: <laughs> For sure. Well, not to get too. Politicised about it, and I think um, you know everyone's had their different taste of the experience of COVID globally. But that's where I get a bit frustrated because I think that I mean, for whatever our own personal experiences have been, I feel like the people making these decisions, uh, yeah, there's okay, it's a snap lockdown. Okay, it's it's perhaps the best way to minimize the impact of a, an outbreak and so yeah okay let's all do it but yeah like you said these the retailers really suffer and to just jump in and out of these lockdowns must push them back by weeks months yeah maybe even years in terms of their debts their running costs that you know the projected kind of money that they need to make to keep things afloat yeah and Every time there's this, and I'll call it a careless lockdown because it feels like it was caused by careless circumstances. Yeah, it, was. it It creates this awful situation. for So for the mistakes of 10 to 20 people, it destroys the livelihoods or severely impacts the livelihoods of tens of thousands of people yeah. who are trying to do the right thing. And then I bet if they were trading tomorrow... They'll get fucking fined twenty five grand. Yeah, or something.
1: exactly. That's the hard. part. <laughs> and
0: I think that that's the true the true evil of the thing. It's just the, the politicians don't understand because they get paid every day, yeah. even if they're not working. Like yeah. our beloved premier, who you know almost busted his back. Like he got paid for six months full time. Yeah.
1: So I think that. Um,
0: just shut the goddamn borders to every Motherfucker who's trying to come in
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's yeah. been long enough yes, now Yes the- that's hard as well because it separates Families and all that kind of thing as well but I don't know I think we need to draw a Hard line and just go this is what we're doing And even even if we crack down On the mask wearing like I know one likes Wearing a mask but fuck no. It's a small price to pay to keep a business Running and to keep being out and about And all that kind of stuff so I don't know I just think like maybe tougher penalties On people that aren't wearing masks and that's that, it's, you know, but we keep yeah, the businesses right. going, we keep the money flowing.
0: It's the, it's the greater good, isn't it? Because they they keep saying we're all in it together, but I think that that's where it's been preached from the top rather than being necessarily shown through action. Yeah, that's so right. So yeah. it would be nice to think that everyone could just get going and get their businesses up and firing and... Yeah, just get back into a normal flow of life But, you
1: know I think uh, the main thing, though Is that Fly on the Wall podcast keeps rocking That's the main thing It keeps thing. rocking Despite yeah, all guys. this fucking worldly shit going on <laughs> The podcast <laughs> is, is you know, sometimes It is reliable It's reliably there that, every every week Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, format, the format isn't reliable The hosts aren't reliable at all Not at all But we can guarantee that will be there each week for you, for your listening pleasure. That's
0: it, and and that's the pleasure of it. 118 episodes of reliable Fuck for yeah. you guys.
1: Now, if you're yeah. liking what you're hearing, please. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell the kid on the couch who's masturbating furiously in front of his dad. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> tell the goggly-eyed six-and-a-half-foot albino creature <laughs> that, that <laughs> likes to visit your house once a week.
1: Yeah, just shout it out. Flournable Um And if you can, go and give us a review on iTunes. That that all helps. Um, but, yeah, just spread the word like the COVID. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, when it comes to this podcast, don't wear a mask.
1: That's right. Yeah. No. Uh, well, it unless it's it uh, unless it's like Let's a leather mask, everywhere. a leather mask with studs, metal studs in it. That'd be kind of sexy. i keep
0: that shit on. Yeah. Yeah. Keep yeah. That
1: keep that on. All yeah. right. Well, uh, big was I'll let you get back to your hog tying ways, and I'll um, <laughs> I'm gonna go watch a horror movie. But that's been episode 118. Thanks for listening. Be good to see yourselves, and be good to your goats.
0: Thanks very much everyone and we will see you next week for episode one hundred and nineteen. Toodles